Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle, tackle topics like when other people judge our partners, feeling confused, hurt, and disposable, and pandemic fog, which is <laughs> very topical right now. Uh, but before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that Sierra and I are not licensed mental health professionals. We both look good right now, um, <laughs> but don't be deceived by appearances. We are making everything up as we go along. I'm on a yoga ball. Yeah. <laughs> you can't tell. I'm sitting on a chair and then a pillow on that chair so that I'm a little bit higher up. <laughs> it's all a facade is what we're trying to say. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. I will say that this does not look like this in real life. <laughs> This does. Yeah, yeah, it does. I know. Actually, you can. Uh, there's like a respirator right there that you can see from when I was like doing a paint job and I didn't want to inhale all the fumes. So, this is hashtag real life, guys. Uh, <laughs> this is all to say, please take our advice as you see fit. We are just here to offer our humble musings to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love. Yes. Okay. So this check-in topic is inspired by a letter that we got from high school is forever, whose pronouns are she, her, and who is writing from in my feelings. And I'm just going to read the whole thing because it's super short. Yeah. Uh, so high school is forever writes. I'm one of those people who is very glad that I never have to do high school ever again. But dang, why is it so weird to see some people you used to have a huge crush on happy romantically without you? I'm not that torn up about it and will honestly probably feel neutral about neutral about it come tomorrow, LOL. But I'd love to hear what you both think about the topic. For context, I am in my own happy relationship and haven't seen this person in real life since graduating high school seven years ago. Do you relate to this question? I relate to it in that I'm, I think that I have like obsessions with random people <laughs> that I like <laughs> went to high school or college with who like I follow and like watch all of their stories and they probably yeah. have no idea, but it's just like, there's something about them that like draws me to them. And I, and if I ever saw them in real life, I'd be so embarrassed because I'd be like, I know everything about you. <laughs> like, I, like, I know we haven't talked in seven years, but like I follow you religiously yeah, on social yeah. media. Um, I relate to this question in that I have historically struggled with unfulfilled crushes or like uh, unfulfilledness, mm. you For know, sure. even less so in high school, although it exists. Like I was thinking about this question this morning as I was prepping and I was like thinking about this like super popular, beautiful boy in high school who was like a friend of mine and nothing ever happened between us, nor was there ever any explicit like flirting or whatever. But the way he exists in my subconscious and even like the way he shows up in my dreams, it's like... I think something about my tiny little adolescent brain like coded him as like not a conquest because it's creepy. And I definitely did not have that much confidence back then. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure, sure. But as like something like, I don't know, unfulfilled, like, oh, mm -hmm. well, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I, I relate to this letter in that I've struggled with letting dead things lie, maybe. <laughs> Sure. Instead of like resuscitating them, you know, and torturing myself. Cause I think this is what that is. It's like your brain's going back to something unfulfilled or, or, or something like, I don't know, 
there's something enticing and sexy about a crush, you know? And Absolutely. so your brain is going back and is like, does not compute, has not fulfilled this, did not confirm my desirability or their respect sure. for me or whatever. And so I have to prove myself or something like that. I think it's like weird. It's something that has to do with like our brains being so young and malleable, specifically at that age, like forming connections of like, what does it mean to have a crush? Cause mm -hmm. like, I would I would bet like your first crush is statistically like hangs around in your subconscious long enough long the For longest sure. you know irrationally sure. you know I'm not a scientist but that would be my guess <laughs> I like it yeah no absolutely and I have I have those people but they often like show up on my LinkedIn because like I oh. don't like follow them <laughs> on Instagram especially because like when we were in high school Facebook and Instagram didn't exist so it's not like we like became friends like it would yeah. be weird for me to like find my high school crush on Instagram and follow them again. So like, uh, It'd be weird for me to have a LinkedIn. <laughs> right. But then sometimes it's like LinkedIn will show me something and I'm like, first of all, why did we connect on LinkedIn? That's yeah. weird. And secondly, like, okay, well now I know that you live in Japan. I didn't, I didn't need to know that. But now I'm like filled with all of these like nostalgic memories of you. Yes. And being like, I wonder what you're doing, even though like we literally haven't talked to each other. And what? When did yeah, I graduate? It's the 15 what, years. <laughs> the what if the the could be the unfulfilled. And I, I think it must be there must be some like evolutionary thing in that. <laughs> I don't know what that mm -hmm. is. I don't know what it's trying to like what type of like prehistoric beast it's trying to save us from. But um, I, I, I relate that it's like it doesn't make any sense, too. And I like that the letter writer was like, I don't actually feel this way. I'm in a happy relationship. I don't want to be this person, but why does it have this like emotional pull on me? And honestly, I think it's a great reminder that like our emotions are not always trustworthy. No. <laughs> like you can feel something and have it not be real at the same time. Yep. You know, like I don't want to be with this cute high school boy. <laughs> like that's not, that <laughs> I doesn't mean, I fit in my did. life. <laughs> it was, yeah. <laughs> it was all consuming for a while there. <laughs> um, and, I think that I think I, I think we could like dwell on it a ton. Don't trust me. I have. I literally like I can think of one person who was like actually a good friend of mine, and we kind of always had like this flirty thing. Mm. And now he has like thirty eight kids and a wife and thirty eight. Well, Whoa. I mean, like three. I just added the eight for <laughs> dramatic purposes. Um, but he has like three kids and a wife, and we are like not ideologically aligned. But there's sure. something in me, whether it's like a little wounded child or a confused teenager, probably that's probably like, that. where do I fit in? You know, I used to be your crush, or I used to matter. There's like a nostalgia. There's a power there. There's like a weird brain chemistry thing. I don't know. This is all to say. I, I relate to it and I think it's totally real. And also I, ha as somebody who struggles with the unfulfilled, I have had to learn to, to, again, like I said, acknowledge my feelings and also acknowledge that like, they're not necessarily real or authentic to my present life right now. Mm -hmm. I, in therapy, I've heard it as like regulate your emotions, but don't repress them. You know, like, Oh yeah. man, I wonder what this person is doing with their life. I wonder how they turned into this person, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and is and, and there's also maybe like a little bit of sadness in there, you know, like the time has passed and you're, you're like yeah. no longer that person. And I think too, it's like, at least for me. And I think for like a lot of people that, that I know, like yeah. our visions of what we, what our lives are going to be like in high school are not yeah. at all <laughs> what we thought, yeah. what they are currently. 
So I think it's also a little bit of like that, that unfulfilled, not just the love, but also like that moment of being like, oh, and here I am doing this thing at this time when yes. I thought I would be here by now or yes. doing this thing by now. Um, so just like that, like that other, that feeling of like dreams lost. Oh, well. totally. Sorry, like that's so depressing, yes. but like really no, but real. It's so, well, it's melodramatic, which is perfect for a high school themed check-in. Absolutely. Um, and also like think about in like, like culture, do we have any fucking positive examples of like, how do you, how does life go on after a crush or a relationship? How does that person mm-hmm. exist in your life after you've been with them or after you had a crush on them and it was weird and awkward and cute and un and unrequited or unfulfilled? Like, I don't I can't think of a lot of examples of like we're not taught that like life goes on after a crush. (laughs) So no wonder why we like intellectually struggle with it. (laughs) Like, what Mm -hmm. do I do with these feelings now that I actually have no purpose for them in my actual everyday life? Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like it's the same thing with like weird grudges too. I can't wait. Where it's like, where it's like you run into somebody who like said something weird to you in college. I saw the, and you're I saw like, the mischief in your face. No, and you like, you like get, you like get, you're immediately back in that moment. You're like, oh, I hate if that If I saw this person from high school that I'm thinking of right now, who I won't say their name, but I literally, it's, it's blaring in my mind right now. If I saw this girl in real life, I would become the the least healed, least <laughs> evolved, <laughs> emotionally stunted bitch ever. Right? I'd be like, oh, absolutely. Oh, <laughs> uh, like, just... you were mean to me. Uh, get away from me. Even though, like, <laughs> I would lose it all. I would lose it all just passed. to say one sassy thing to <laughs> yeah, <right>. her. <laughs> just to get back, get yeah, back at her. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Cute check-in topic. Do you want to get yeah. into some letters? Thank you, High School is Forever, for sending us that letter. We love you. We love you, too. And I fucking would, could not go back to high school if you paid me. Our first letter comes to us from Lil Snack 89 which I'm hoping is Lil Snack's, like, AOL. Like a snack. No, oh. no, no. Like, it was like... <laughs> It was like their screen name or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Whose pronouns are he, him, who is writing to us from Miami. Hi, sweeties. First of all, love that. <laughs> feel, <laughs> feel great about that. <laughs> I recently started dating someone. Let's call him Eduardo. We get so much joy spending time together and connecting. We've established that we're both ideally looking for a relationship, so it's been nice to be aligned. It's also mm. surprising to feel so excited about someone in a way that I've never felt before. I dated around a bit and I've always thought that I was just too numb and jaded for life and that the excited feeling that comes with liking and caring about another person were just not in the cards for me until now. Mm. Anyway, Eduardo is very sex positive and we stand that in this house. (laughs) Open-minded and has done his fair share of partying in the past. He told me himself that he used to be really wild. To give you an idea of myself, I'm a laid back introvert who is super shy and whose idea of going crazy is drinking a red bull and eating sour gummies that's so cute i love that that's wild Uh, i love that um (laughs) his past doesn't bother me because one when you date someone you can't get too hung up on the history unless they did bad things and two i've been leaning into my hedonistic side these past few months as well so it's nice dating someone who doesn't judge me for that and instead gets it Mm. love all that Mm -hmm. the thing is eduardo has been very public about his partying scrolling through his instagram you'll see plenty of pictures of him at leather parties and whatnot which again doesn't bother me when telling some friends about him i do what everyone does and pull up his 
Instagram. And that's immediately when I get hit with very judgy, pointed comments about his partying posts. What bothers me is that this isn't even coming from straight people. It's coming from some of my gay friends who are up on some high horse and look down at people who participate in these kinds of parties, mm. low-key sexually repressed, but that's a discussion for another day. As our relationship gets more serious, I know I'm going to encounter more of these judgmental situations, especially with my family. I can totally see them being shocked and alienated by a social media presence. And I'm kind of bugged because I know social media is just a highlight reel and that we are fully complex beings beyond what we share with others. I'm not embarrassed by his online presence at all and will not try to control what he has and has not uploaded. That's just not for me. I guess I just need help or advice for dealing with that kind of judgment and how to navigate this whole thing. This is someone who makes me incredibly happy. And what hurts is that the people making these comments have been close friends of mine for years. How do I approach the situation with my family? He's a sweet, funny, sincere guy, and it's disappointing to hear some people won't see that because of what they see online. And I get it. It can be a lot, especially for someone who doesn't know those kinds of parties and events. Is it one of those it is what it is situations that I just have to suck up? Sorry, this isn't super specific, I guess. It's just been something that has bothered me a lot, and I would really appreciate some advice, insight, or reassurance on dealing with judgmental people. Thank you. Oh, P.S., we are both in our late 20s, if that is at all helpful. Mm. Well, little snack, 89. Uh, thank you for writing to us, and I have to say that I am not in any way surprised that a bunch of uh, gay men were judgmental about people, <laughs> because let me tell you... Having spent a lot of time in that community and also, you know, being one myself, uh, I'm not surprised that people were really judgy about the acts that Eduardo does outwardly that many of them have probably done uh, in private or in other ways. Right. Like, yeah, there's a lot of weird sort of respectability politics in in yes. particularly with gay men who are often trying to reclaim a certain type of privilege by just pretending like their sexuality isn't any different than straight people. Um, and that leads to being really, really judgmental about people who are open about expressing their sexuality, about their fetishes, about the partying that they do. Um, and, and I'm sorry that you're receiving that. And I know that you haven't before. Maybe you haven't before because you've been somebody who likes to eat, <laughs> eat sour gummies and drink Red Bull for a good time. Um, but that is so cute. And I just love that. So, <laughs> so much. it's adorable. Um, but it's not it's not surprising to me. And I'm, I'm really sorry that you're you're having to, to receive this type of weird judgmental uh, stuff from people that you would expect to be open and welcoming and excited about this new lovely relationship that you have with Eduardo. Yeah. And it's not, I mean, like, let's just be clear, like all sorts of people have all sorts of kinky sex. So this is not like a gay community thing. And then there's straight sex and gay sex. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. I, let, let this be a reminder that sexuality is not just a spectrum. It's a plethora. It's a it's a fucking pool filled with little water drops sure. of sexual experiences. Okay. Sure. <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> um, but I just wanted to say like, you know, straight people participate in leather parties and kink and whatnot. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I love what you said about like trying to reclaim a certain amount of privilege and power in in the perceived things that are normal, but um, there's no such thing as like normal 
sex. There is hierarchically, hierarchically, hey, here we go. Hierarchical. <laughs> You're just going to let me fumble live. <laughs> hierarchically, I think. Hierarchically, kickily. <laughs> There's a sex hierarchy. There you go. In our culture that is rewarded with power, but it's it's one that is just like wrong. That's all I'll say about that. Absolutely. <laughs> and there's there's an assumption um, that most folks operate under that gay men are more promiscuous, more sexual, right. um, m- more unable to control their urges mm-hmm. than than other folks are. Um, and again, like that, uh, that sort of respectability politics that comes in is like, okay, so then we need to shut that down when we're, when we're talking to other people or when we're putting stuff out on the internet. Um, and that's again, disappointing, understandable, I guess that like, that's the, the impulse. Um, and based on like the reality of this hierarchy that Sierra is talking about, um, but doesn't mean that it's not a shitty thing to do to other other gay men for sure. Right, right. And like zooming out of sex in general, like it is a very fucking stressful thing to feel like the person you're really into is being judged and subsequently you are being judged for your interest in them. That's like historically mm-hmm. difficult. And sure. um, so that's like really hard that's hard to deal with because i think it's just like any other thing in life when somebody questions our motives or our authenticity or whatnot we have to either we have we have to like somehow consciously recognize that they have a different opinion than us or they have a valid opinion and we're gonna like analyze it or something like that mm-hmm. internalize it and then we have to say and also this is what i believe i know this person this right. instagram post of these people of, of my boyfriend is just a morsel of this person. And it's a morsel that I think is hot and delicious. And I totally accept and have no problem with. <laughs> right. And you don't, you know, it's, I appreciated the little snacks, like little comment about like, this isn't really a specific question. It's more about like, is this one of those things that you have to like, just suck it up and like, yes and no, it's not like you're never going to stop people from judging our life choices. In fact, it's empowering to remind ourselves that, we, we're always going to disappoint people. Our opinions are always going to be different than the people around us. And um, and that is a part of life, not a suck it up part, but that is a part that we can like find peace in. Mm-hmm. But I think this is an opportunity for you to, while you're acknowledging these outside opinions, to practice staying rooted in what you know to be true. I, I, I know that I need this practice. I know that I struggle mm-hmm. with... You know, somebody tells me that their opinion is different than mine and that my opinion is wrong. Then it's not like I immediately go to like, but I know this person and you're wrong. I go to like, oh, my God, what did I do wrong? Or like, (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know, something like I I fawn at that response um, or at that trigger. Um, But people will always disagree with us and people will always challenge us. Do I think that you can like kind of hold these people accountable to the judgment that they're doing? Absolutely. I mean, these are your friends for years. You can say, hey, you know, I really like Eduardo and I feel like you're being a little bit judgmental about his partying history. Mm -hmm. I love you. And I feel and I feel like you're being a little judgmental. Yeah. And it hurts my feelings that that you're doing this because I really like him. Um, one of the things that I do when people are are being judgmental or expressing views that are like kind of problematic to me in like a guise of like 
this isn't problematic. This is my own opinion. I just asked them more questions about it. So when somebody is like, oh, yeah, he he really puts himself out there, I guess you can be like, yeah, what do you mean by that? Or like, hmm, tell me what you tell me what you're saying there. Right. Mm -hmm. To like help them see that they're like being a little judgmental. Um, So that's a tactic that you can try if you're not like willing to sort of sit down and be like, hi, this hurts my feelings that you are so judgmental of my boyfriend. Um, And when you're thinking about talking to your uh, to your family as well, like, are there ways that you can prime them for what they're about to see on his social media? Right. Right. To say like, hey, um, just so you know, like his social media is a particular element of his life that's sort of focused on the parties that he goes to and the the sort of groups that he's a part of. Um, and so I want you to be prepared when you see that. Uh, I don't think that there's anything wrong with it. I hope that you don't think that there's anything wrong with it, but I want you to know that that's like a part of his life and that you're going to see it. Yeah. Um, to give them the opportunity to respond instead of react, right? So that they're not like looking at his Instagram for the first time, like in front of you, Um but instead, so that they know that this is something that's going to happen and that they that you're asking them to respond in a particular way that's going to affirm your, your relationship and also not be judgmental assholes about the, the way that this person lives his damn life. Totally. I think prepping your family about his Instagram content is something you could totally do uh, for people who you deeply care about and are invested in they're learning about this, right? You know, Mm -hmm. like I would maybe do it with somebody whose relationship was deeply important to me and I knew that it would help and I knew that it would, it would matter to the, to the health of the relationship. I, you don't, part of me wants to be like, you don't really have to do that. Yeah. For your judgmental friends who are like being judgmental. (laughs) For sure. Right. And the reality is like, we exist in this world that is set up to make people judge other people for the sex that they have, even though many of us have sex, right? And many of us have all different types of sex. uh, And yet we are still asked to, again, rank that hierarchy of like which sex is best and which sex is appropriate or inappropriate or how that, how is that sex expressed and whether or not that's good or bad. Um, And because of that, right, because it's the system it doesn't actually mean anything about you and your relationship, right? It's mm. difficult to exist in for sure because to facing that sort of judgment, facing being sort of in that system of oppression and hierarchy is really challenging. And it doesn't mean a lick about you as a person, right? It's real in its right. consequences and how it makes people feel and the way that it plays out. But it's it's made up, right? It doesn't there's nothing inherently good or bad about you depending on the type of sex that you have. Right. It is just, we've decided this stupid thing. So that can be hard to accept and understand, but it's not necessarily like a, a take it or like get used to it type of thing, but it's more of a, like, how can you distance yourself from it to say like, I know that this is not in or of me. This is not about me in any way. It's not about Eduardo in any way. It's about these people who are believing in and ascribing to a broken way of seeing the world, a way in which there are good and bad people and there's a hierarchy of who's okay and who's not okay. Yes. And like a morality attached to that. For sure. Mm -hmm. And like, you don't want to exist in a world where that is, is happening. And 
we exist in a world where that is happening, right? But it's not about you. It's not about Eduardo. It's about it's about them, and it's about the the weird things that they've internalized um, that have that are causing not only harm to you and Eduardo, but also causing deep harm to them too, yes. right? It is also they're also ranking their own sex stuff based on this thing, and my guess is is that because no one is perfect. That they're probably falling short and like that is bringing their own shame, their own pain and all of that too. So it's not about you. It isn't like it's not about you. It's about this this wound that so many of us are carrying around sex and sexuality. Yeah. And so like in response to your is this something I have to suck it up and deal with? Well, I think that you can find empowerment and peace in this very annoying, inevitable life situation <laughs> you know <laughs> if you can yeah. um or maybe you should just tell your friends to fuck off <laughs> yeah or be nicer like you yeah. know <laughs> i do think you can talk to them about yeah, how deeply too. this is hurting you right and if they're your friends then then hopefully they will listen to that um and it's also not necessarily your job to teach folks about this about their own wounds, right? Or about their own shit that they're that they're doing, that they're inflicting on themselves and others. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. All right, my darling, I know that this is a little bit of a vague response to a vague question, but know <laughs> that we are on your side in this vagueness. Absolutely. And um, we wish you all uh, the love and happiness that you deserve, that you maybe thought that you didn't deserve prior to meeting Eduardo. And I hope things are going really well. Thank you so much for writing. Thank you so much. We love you. Spring has sprung and summer is just around the corner. Packing your bag with sunscreen, your emotional support water bottle, and that steamy beach read. But wait, this year there's a new kind of essential that's right at your fingertips. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And get this, there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods and goddesses, Regency era, historical fiction, my absolute favorite, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you will always find something new to explore. Dipsy offers a modern approach to romance through high quality and captivating audio fiction. For listeners of this show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash justbreakup. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash justbreakup. Dipsystories.com slash justbreakup. All right, our next letter comes from a fool for love, whose pronouns are she, her, and who is writing from the state of confusion. Hi, Sam and Sierra. First, I'll just say I only recently stumbled upon your podcast in an attempt to find some resources to provide me relief from the current emotional turmoil I'm experiencing in the wake of my recent breakup. Your podcast is one of the few sources of real comfort I've found during this time, and the genuine empathy, kindness, and respect you have for your listeners and their stories has truly helped me to process my grief and heartbreak in a more productive way. Even if you don't end up answering my question, I just wanted to say thank you both for everything that you do. Good news. We're answering your question. So, and thank you. 
Here's my story. I am a 27-year-old cis, het female, she, her, and a recent transplant to the Pacific Northwest. I moved here for school in the height of the COVID quarantine phase and struggled for many months trying to feel settled in my new community and grad program. I felt immediate chemistry with him as soon as we met and could tell he felt the same. Our second and third dates quickly followed, and it felt like our relationship literally skyrocketed from there. Mind you, I've never been or even thought of myself as somebody who is quick to rush into romantic relationships. I'm usually quite measured and thoughtful about how I approach most things in life and in all my previous relationships have dated partners for several months before making any major commitments. However, my connection with this person felt really different. We had several conversations early on about how we felt like we'd known each other for months instead of weeks. We felt simultaneously totally calm and extremely exhilarated in each other's presence. We connected on so many different levels in terms of our morals, goals, values, communication styles, humor, and interests. He would consistently go out of his way to do small, thoughtful things for me and tell me that he cared about me and told me that he thought that I did the same for him. I could feel myself falling hard and fast. After only two weeks of dating, the following thought popped into my head. I feel like this could really be someone I could potentially want to marry someday. Could I really be this lucky to find someone who feels so perfect for me and treats me so well? Could it really be this easy? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Spoiler I'm alert. I'm sorry. I'm not laughing at your pain. That thought scared the shit out of me. I'd been in relationships before this in which my partners had blindsided, abandoned, and totally emotionally abused me. I began to feel scared that things with this man were too good to be true. I expressed to him that I was feeling scared about the rate at which my feelings for him were progressing in the context of my past relationship trauma, just as a way to communicate where my head was at. I expected that he might agree that he felt things were moving fast as well and possibly even recommend pumping the brakes a bit if necessary. Instead, he hugged me, looked me in the eyes and said, look, it's okay. I'm crazy about you. I'm not going anywhere and I'll prove it to you. In that moment, I felt more emotionally seen and held than I ever had in any relationship. It truly meant the world to me, and I felt trusted that he meant what he said. I had no reason not to. Shortly thereafter, we mutually decided to be in a committed relationship and had even told each other we loved each other just uh, just after the one-month mark. I was surprised that I was capable of developing such strong feelings for someone so quickly, but never doubted their validity on my end or his. We often spoke about our future together casually, as if the idea that our relationship would last long term was a no-brainer. He invited me to Thanksgiving with his family and on his family vacation in the next few months. I invited him to be my date at my best friend's wedding in Europe in the spring. Fast forward to about seven weeks of dating, and he started to become highly distant and dejected very suddenly. When I checked in with him about it, he expressed that he was feeling overwhelmed and stressed by several areas of his life. The sudden shift in his behavior towards me and our relationship sent my anxiety into overdrive. When I asked if his distress over how stressful his life had become at the moment was causing him to question our relationship, he said no. He was still totally committed to our relationship. He just needed time to get through his difficult but temporary circumstances. While this didn't totally reassure me, I didn't want to make the situation about my own distress and instead tried to focus my energy on being a supportive partner. However, a week later, he came over to my apartment after work, and I immediately noticed something is wrong. He was on the verge of tears, and he said that he really did, past tense, love me and care about me, but was just too overwhelmed by life circumstances and couldn't give our relationship the energy it deserved. 
and it was causing him unbearable guilt and anxiety. He told me that he wanted to end our relationship. Full stop. This completely shocked and blindsided me. I pleaded with him to at least engage in a conversation about alternatives to totally throwing out our relationship in the trash, like spending more time apart or taking a break while he focused on himself. Hmm. But he was completely uninterested. I was sobbing. As I said, I really believe this is worth saving somehow. And I don't understand why you don't feel the same way. And he just stared at me wordlessly. Hmm. In the entire context of our relationship up to this point, I had known him to be extremely thoughtful, kind, and considerate. Never did I anticipate that he would blindside me in a way that he explicitly knew would be highly re-traumatizing for me. I requested that we take a week of space to think about things and talk again. In the brief communication via text that we had while trying to coordinate during that time, I always made sure to check in and express concern for him, knowing that he was in a dark place and hurting. And yet, in his responses to me, he was cold, short, and callous, never once inquiring as to how I was or saying that he hoped I was doing okay. It felt like he loved me one minute and then couldn't care less if I ceased to exist in the next, like he was a totally different person. When we spoke again, I told him that I wanted him to care for himself, and if he couldn't do that in the context of our relationship, I would understand, but the way he broke up with me and continued to treat me since then was deeply hurting me. He apologized, and we talked about trying to reconnect in the future once he was in a healthier headspace. Mm -hmm. He proposed touching base with each other again in a couple weeks. Well, a couple weeks went by, and I get no word from him. Thanksgiving rolls around, which I had planned to spend with his family, and I am now spending alone, and I don't get so much as a happy holidays text. I spent most of that day crying and alone since I have no nearby close friends or family, and it appears as though he hasn't spared me a second thought. At this point, I am so hurt and confused that I sent him a text stating that it is not fair of him to leave me in this perpetual limbo and requesting that while I want him to take as much time as he needs to care for himself— I need him to be clear about his intentions for the future of our relationship or if he has any at all. Hmm. Instead of taking accountability for his confusing behavior, he got extremely defensive, stating that he, quote, doesn't have any energy to spare. And he, quote, thought we could be friends, but we clearly can't do that without causing me distress. We haven't spoken since then, and I've never felt so confused, hurt and disposable in my life. What started out as one of the most amazing loving connections I've ever experienced turned into the most heartbreaking confirmation of my worst fears. Mm. I constantly vacillate between feeling furious and betrayed and feeling heartbroken and missing him, concerned about how much pain he must have been in to have acted in such, a, in such incongruent ways. What's more, I feel ashamed that I'm this shattered of a relationship that lasted all of two months. I feel crazy, like I can't trust myself and like our whole relationship was some cruel joke or odd fever dream. If he ever really truly cared for me, how could he be so okay with treating me so callously or be so unconcerned by how deeply he hurt me? If he cared about me the way that he said that he did, how could temporary stressors cause those feelings to so suddenly disappear? Mm. If he was feeling so much guilt and anxiety about not being able to give our relationship the energy it deserved, where was all of his guilt or anxiety over causing me very real pain and emotional harm? Was I an idiot to believe him in the first place? I'm ashamed to say that I'm still holding out hope that he'll reach out to me and want to try again at some point. Am I a fool for still wanting someone who has made it abundantly clear that he no longer wants me. I would really appreciate any and all advice that you both might have. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for writing A Fool for Love. I feel like this is a quintessential 
just break up the letter. <laughs> Absolutely. On yep. so many levels, on so many levels. So thank you so much for sharing your vulnerable pain. Thank you for finding us in your pain. And I'm so glad that we've been able to um, give you some relief or comfort during this really difficult transition. Um, I'm going to give you some soft love and tough love in this letter response. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to do a soft love, tough love, soft love sandwich. Ooh, my favorite Sound kind. Good? <laughs> yeah. Whenever I go to the diner, that's what I order. <laughs> um, that's funny. I always get a waffle. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> tuna uh, melt is often my, my go-to. You know, I had a, my first tuna melt ever like a year ago. Oh my God. Were you blown away or was it like, eh? Well, I was like, why is this tuna sandwich hot and covered in cheese? You know what I mean? Like it was good, but it was just mouth. like. <laughs> okay. Uh, actually, y'all time out for a second. If we're going to talk about sandwiches in a segue. Oh, great. I was a vegetarian for like a decade. And then I was a pescatarian for a handful of years during this pregnancy. My body really wanted a different form of protein. So I've been eating meat during my pregnancy. Mm. Um which has been fine. It's felt very utilitarian, but I need to tell everybody that I never had a re real Reuben before and that my first real Reuben was a vegetarian Reuben. And I was like, this is fucking awesome because like, just like my personality, I love really stinky, <laughs> like <laughs> loud things, sure, sure, you know, yeah. mm -hmm. like the flavors of all of that, the sauerkraut and the nasty bread, you know, it's just like, so whatever Swiss cheese yeah oh yeah it's just Thousand like so, Island. yeah and so and the ve the vegetarian or vegan versions of them are delicious to right. me and then so when i started eating meat during this pregnancy i was like i'm gonna eat a reuben <laughs> <laughs> like i was so pumped about it and i was like really and i was eating it and i just kept telling my wife i was like this is a spiritual experience <laughs> um <laughs> Okay. It this was, is something that I, I like, this is so left field for me. Honestly, really? that you like love from Rubens me. this much. Yeah. From you. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Well, I love stanky food, like pickles. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yes. I love pickles too. I hate Rubens. Get there the are fuck. like so many things that I dislike about Rubens. Rye bread. Ugh. N would never touch a rye bread with a 10 foot <laughs> except pole, in except Reuben. for in this situation. It was so good. I hate okay. sauerkraut. I hate Swiss cheese. The only thing good on that is the meat. Yeah, so the meat was like the take it or leave it part. Don't get me wrong, it was delicious. But I'm, I'm going to go back to not eating meat for like environmental and, uh, you know, I like for tiny sure. animals sort of feelings after this pregnancy. But anyway, <laughs> just needed to share that about myself. Sure. Um, okay, so um, my darling, a fool for love. Sorry about that. Uh, little segue, but back to your tough love, I mean, soft love, tough love, soft love sandwich. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, first soft love. Oh, my God, this is so painful. This is so painful and the pain is real. The pain is physical and the pain is, is currently unrelenting, especially because we're trying to make sense of a situation that I'm not sure even if it even if it made sense, it wouldn't hurt. You know, something that I'm taking yeah, away from sure. this letter is like the paths our minds go through in breakups or in emotionally uh, fraught situations they're they don't always make sense the, the past that our our minds try to to find clarity and sense and healing from like you know 
trying to figure out like, did he really love you? Is that going to bring you any fucking peace? (laughs) You know, but we all think it, we all Mm -hmm. think it, we all want to know, was this real? Was I crazy? You know, and those sorts of the, that line of questioning is like, it's, it's fraught and painful. And like, I don't know, you know, it's going to keep you up at night. And so I just want to say like, you're in it. I feel you so in it. I've been in it too. Um, and the emotional whiplash of this relationship came mm. in hot, right? Said all of these things, said some confusing things, and then got cold. Like that is literally a hairpin turn. You know, mm-hmm. that would that would throw anybody off. Like, yeah, you have every right to feel confused. You're not crazy. It was confusing. It is painful. It is disappointing. You're not crazy, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Oh, I was I was waiting for the tough love. <laughs> I well, I I'm not sure. I feel bad about being tough lovey because it's such a shitty situation. But I do have tough love things to say that would hopefully bring healing and clarity. For so, sure. like, if you want to stay in the soft love with me for a little bit, just a little yeah, bit longer. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I feel bad. <laughs> no, this is this is so challenging in so many different ways, um, especially in this type of situation where the person is like really really hot in the beginning and then like suddenly really cold. Um, and like breakups like this are so challenging too, because like for the last two months, like he was the person that you went to when you were feeling bad. And now he's the person that is like causing the bad feelings too. So like, it can be such a mind fuck to be like, not only are you bringing me pain, but also I don't have an outlet for it in the same way that I did because like you were that person, you were the one that I talked to, you were the one that helped me through this stuff. And now I don't not only am I going through this pain and you're causing it, but I also have lost my outlet. I've lost my person. Um, and that's just, just so challenging. Yeah. And I appreciate all of the like different emotions that you're going through too. Right. It's not just hurt, right. It's not just like, and you know, we've talked about this on the podcast before, but the same parts of our brain light up when it comes to physical pain and emotional pain, right. It literally feels like physical pain. Right. But it's also like, not only that, but frustration and anger plus you still care deeply about this man and like you're like you're doing things that I that I think are really harmful for you as well like it would be better if we could work through this together like it would be better for both of us and like all of those different emotions happening at the same time and our poor little hearts are so often challenged when all the emotions are happening at the same time right it's so difficult and and we want clarity and we want to know like we're often looking for the thing that's going to help it all make sense, but making sense just leads to more, just leads to more confusion often. Right. Because it's like, if he did love me deeply, then why is he not loving me anymore? Right. Like if he, if he is really going through these struggles, then like, why isn't it like, it just like those answers to those questions are just going to lead to more questions. There's no clarity there. And it sucks. Like that's, that's what's so painful about this world is that like clarity is so often unavailable to us. Right. And our brains and hearts tell us that clarity is the thing that's going to make it feel better. Um, but often what it is, is that we just have to move through it. We just yes. have to accept not knowing the ambiguity and how difficult it is um, and find ways to to make reality or to sit in that reality, um, which is so deeply challenging. Right. We're looking for peace in the face of what hurt us. We're looking for healing in the weapon itself, right? Mm -hmm. That's such like a normal 
normal path for our subconscious to move. Um, I am going to say, though, like, I agree with everything Sam just said. and But I'm going to try to offer you some clarity. And Sam was just like, clarity's not going to help. Go for it. Do it. <laughs> but... I'm offering, I want to offer you some clarity in a little bit different way. I'm not going to tell you if his feelings are real or not, right? Mm -hmm. That's, that's not the clarity that's going to heal us, right? But I am going to, I'm going to try to give you a different perspective to look at a few of these things so that you can more easily and with more grace and compassion and gentleness for yourself, wash your hands of this emotional turmoil and say, I'm ready to heal. I'm ready to find my peace or whatever. Um, so, and I also want to say before I get into my tough love, it's not tough love. Like you did something wrong, right? right. Uh, it's not tough love. Like I think you're in trouble. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or you need scolding. <laughs> For sure. For sure. Um, it's tough love in that. I'm not, I want to say this hurts and here's another way to look at it. You know? So, um, first thing, uh, you, in one of your sentences, you say in the entire context of our relationship up to this point, I had known him to be an extremely thoughtful, kind and considerate person. And, the, and here's, here's the perspective that sucks that here's the tough love, kind, considerate, thoughtful people can still break up with people. Yep. They can still be hurt people. They can still disappoint people. They can still be holistically and wholly incompatible to you. Mm-hmm. Um, they can still traumatize you. They can re-trigger you. Um, so the, why I'm giving you that small perspective is so that you stop seeking sense out of that. <laughs> it's not going to mm-hmm. make sense because you're asking for something out of that equation that doesn't exist. You're saying this thoughtful, kind, considerate person who told me they loved me did something that is the opposite of those things. Mm-hmm. How does that make sense? Well, it makes sense because kind and considerate people also are hurtful, also right. hurt us, also can break up with us, right? Um, another thing I want to say is you've never felt so confused, hurt, and disposable in your life. That mm-hmm. those Those words hurt me for you. Like I feel that pain and I feel that sense of self but I want to offer the perspective shift of it's the same thing of like guilt and shame. Sam and I just talked about this in an episode that'll air at some point in some time ever. <laughs> you know, the difference between guilt and shame is guilt is I feel bad. Shame is I am bad. I am a mm-hmm. bad person. Mm-hmm. So in this situation, the pivot would be I am this relationship was disposable to this person versus I am disposable you're not disposable. This person didn't want a relationship with you, which is deeply confusing and painful on a cellular level. Mm -hmm. Nobody is contesting that pain. And I'm not trying to be cold or too tough lovey by saying like, he didn't want to be with you. Right. What I'm trying to shift is so that you don't go to sleep thinking I'm disposable. I'm not worth it. No, he didn't want this relationship. Don't internalize it. Don't, don't make it part of your narrative of yourself. I know that's hard. I know that's so, 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 so hard, For sure. but that's why I'm coupling it with the soft love, tough love, <laughs> because it's a combination of those two things. Um, and then maybe the last thing I want to say in my little tough love thing, which is, again, I'm asking you to do a lot of mental labor 
to figure, like, I'm asking a lot of you right now. And I know that like, especially in our heart, in our heartbreak, in the midst of that, we don't have energy for it. We just want to be sad. We just want to be angry. So like, I give you full permission to turn this episode off and like be in your pain for as long as you want to be in your pain, you know, to, to, to not heal. Like sometimes we need time to not heal and just be like, fuck this dude Mm -hmm. for being so fucking confusing and inconsistent and hurting me. Fuck you for hurting me. We're allowed to say that, right? For sure. We don't always have to do the mental labor. This, what I'm trying to offer you is an opportunity. I'm trying to offer you a different way to wake up and think about this so that you can move about your day without carrying him around like this rotting corpse that you think you somehow deserve, Mm -hmm. you know? So last thing, like you keep, you write at a couple points, like that this was some sort of cruel joke or a fever dream. Um, and that did he ever care about me? You know, like this is all confusing, you know, this was all confusing and you wish it went differently. You Mm. wish it went differently. So let's think about what we know for true. What is true? What we know is to be true is that one, he doesn't want to be with you. He couldn't find a way to make this relationship work. That sucks. That sucks for him. Like that's his loss, right? Mm-hmm. Two, in the breakup, he hasn't been totally, he hasn't made it easier for you, right? He hasn't right. texted you happy holidays. He hasn't said, I miss you too. I'm sorry this doesn't work out. He hasn't like, he's been cold, right? And I want you to, I want you to ponder like, well, what would it look differently? How would it, how could it go differently and and still end in a breakup that would actually serve you better. Like, what do you actually need from him? Right. I mean, like maybe spitball that with me, Sam, like, because I think we want so bad. What I, if I was in this situation, it'd be like, I want you to text me. I'm really sorry for hurting you. I miss you. I want to be with you. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I would want in this situation. Or how about this? Like, I know that I've been really inconsistent and I know that we like burn bright and then burned out. And I'm sorry for that. Um, Happy holidays. Like would the happy holidays make it better? (laughs) Would it help? Would it help your heart to like, yeah, I'm getting a little rambly on this point, but like this letter left me thinking like, well, what do we really, what do we want in breakups that are over other than like them going differently? Yep. You know what I mean? Absolutely. What do we want in breakups versus what would actually help us? I, I don't know. No, I think that sometimes we say that we're getting unclear answers because we're getting answers that we don't want, right? Like we're searching for clarity when what we're searching for is actually a different outcome. Yeah. Um, that is like impossible to, to, to find. Yes. Um, and I'll say this too, in a sort of another layer of tough love as well, and hopefully a way that like kind of helps perspective. This man is enforcing his boundaries around the things that he wants to talk about with you. Right. And that can feel cruel, right? Often when we are the recipient of somebody else's boundaries, it feels like they're cutting us off. It feels like they're taking something away from us. They might actually literally be taking something away from us. And that's what this man is doing right now. Yeah. Right. And I, and I recognize that, you know, I would love if you could to sit down with you and talk about all these, all of these things through. He's also not, he is not 
what is the word that I'm looking for? <laughs> he's not required. He is not required to do that, right? Yeah. And and the way that he's talking to you about sort of um, we're breaking up and then having this conversation where you're sort of like, I don't want that. I don't accept that. Like, and he's kind of like wiggling a little bit is like understandable because I think that like it's hard to enforce boundaries with somebody and it hurts. It's really yeah. cool. My guess is, is that he doesn't want to be mean to you. He just is recognizing that the types of conversations that you two are having aren't serving you or him in a meaningful yeah. way. Um, and so like, I say that to say, like, don't necessarily take this as indication that he never loved you. Mm. Take this as an indication that he's trying to be kind to you and himself by establishing boundaries around what he is willing to talk with you about because yeah. he doesn't want to go down the road of being more confusing. He yeah. doesn't want to go down the road of being like, we'll talk again in two weeks, even though he knows that that's something that he's not going to want to do. Right. And so that's what's happening here. And it feels like a knife in the heart. Absolutely. It feels awful. And it's honestly probably a really respectful thing that he's trying to do for you is to, to, to establish <sighs> boundaries. Cause you're not, he's not, you're not getting back together. Right. Like, yeah. and he's like, so this is not a, this isn't a productive conversation for us to have process separately because like processing together isn't, is oh the God. cause of the pain. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you're saying something so real and so true and so deeply <laughs> offensive to like every cell in my body, but I know it's true, you know, like it's, and I want the letter writer and our listeners to know, like, we don't know this guy. This guy could be the total asshole. He could be a dick. He absolutely he could be. He could be, he could be to total dick. He could be doing this to like 17 other women and all at the same time, <laughs> time to go put a, buy a billboard, you know, yeah, like totally. put his face on it. Yeah. And I, and also we're not saying this to criminalize your processing letter no. writer, a fool mm -mm. for love. We're not saying he's doing it right and you're doing it wrong. We're saying nope. this is deeply painful. This is deep. It's deeply painful. Yep. And here's another way to look at it. Like, how would it help you move on if he did engage and just kept saying the same thing, which is, I don't want to be with you. Right. How many times? Let's talk about in it. In what two way weeks. could he say this <laughs> right. to make it better? Mm -hmm. well, and, and don't get me wrong. There are those ways. Like, I'm not trying to, it's a little hyperbolic of me to say like, in what way could he make this better? Well, he could probably just like be, I don't know, more compassionate, affirm me, you know, like send me money for my emotional labor, <laughs> you know, right. like, but he also broke up with you. So like, it's yes. not his job to affirm you anymore. Right. Ugh, like, God. It sucks. I it hate totally us, sucks. Sam. I hate us <laughs> in this moment. I totally agree. And I also, yeah. Again, it's not like I'm not trying to be cruel. What I'm trying to say to you is like these this is what is happening. And so like acknowledging that reality, he's not going to affirm you. He's not going to yeah. be the one to do it. So where can you get that affirmation from? Whether yes. that's your loved ones, your friends, your family, like sit and talk with people and be like, this dick guy's a dick and have them be like, he is a dick. And you're like, yes. I, but I still love him. And they're like, but you still love him, right? Like everything that you're going through is absolutely true and real. And this guy isn't going to make that any more real than it already yes. is. Yeah. And the cruel joke and the, the odd fever dream of this breakup is I'm not, I'm, I'm going to say something to not, it's not to take the, take it off the pedestal of your pain, but to, 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 to normalize it. Like, you know, 
90% of breakups feel like cruel jokes. 90% of (laughs) breakups feel like a fucking fever dream, you know? And so again, don't internalize it. It's not about you and your worthiness and your disposability. It's about, this is what it's like to connect and then have your fucking heart broken and it fucking sucks. Yep. Um, Yeah. Uh, To kind of go off of what Sam said and to shift back into our soft, more genuine, more awesome love Uh (laughs) is like, you know, you're not going to get this acceptance and affirmation from him. He's, he has those boundaries up and this relationship, this chapter is closed, but you can start answering the questions you asked us with a little bit more compassion for yourself. If mm-hmm. he ever truly cared for me, how could he be so okay treating me so careless, callously and be so unconcerned by how deeply he hurt me? Okay. Everybody's allowed or like everybody hurts other people. That's like a part of life. So it's not... Mm, that's not com- that's not comforting. <laughs> Everything sucks. Everybody hurts everybody. Uh, people know. They listen to our podcast. <laughs> How would I respond to that more compassionately for myself? And I, is I would say, I don't know if he's okay with or not treating me this way. What I do know is that he doesn't want to be with me. And I don't want to be with somebody who is so emotionally unavailable to me. Mm-hmm. What I do know is that I deserve better than this inconsistency. What I do know is that when somebody tells me they want to be with me for the long haul, I I deserve somebody who means that, who can follow through on that, right? If he cared about me the way that he did, how did temporary stressors cause those feelings to suddenly disappear? Oh, man. Look, you know, people change their mind. People change their mind. And if I don't internalize... They're changing the mind of their mind. If I don't say I lost his love and instead say he fell out of love, right? It's, you know, it's so hard to not take it so personally. I get it. It's, it's, it is so deeply challenging to logistically work through the math equation that is somebody's with me because they like me and they broke up with me. Yep. (laughs) And, and equals my worthiness like that that is it's just so hard um anyway one of the things that i have really struggled with in my life is accepting the things that have happened to me as real like my experiences mm. of things as real right the constant narrative that i'm always telling myself is you're making this up you're making a bigger deal out of this than everyone else is you are not having a real experience here, you are, you're just like, this is a story you're telling yourself, or it wasn't as bad as you think it is. Right. And so I would encourage you to look back on this relationship and tell yourself over and over again, the love that we had was real. The love I experienced for him was real. The love I experienced from him was real. I wasn't making it up. I wasn't telling myself a story. I wasn't duped in some way that no one else would be duped. Right. I was absolutely in love with this person and he was in love with me. And for whatever reason, through circumstance, through changing his mind, through something else, that love has ended. And that doesn't mean that it wasn't real at the time. It just means that it's it's over, right? And trusting, you can trust yourself. Capitalism, white supremacy, the system that we live in wants us to not trust our instincts, to not trust ourselves. And I can tell you, this experience was 100% real. Everything about it was real for you. And that's what matters. You don't have to doubt it. You don't have to have him affirm it because it's real. And if he doesn't have to affirm it anymore, then you're you're no longer going to seek 
the affirmation from him, or obviously from affirmation, you're not going to seek the healing from him. If you just say this was real to me and then it ended, then you can sit with that terrible discomfort of this just hurts. It just hurts. And I need time. I need my friends. I need my self-love. I need to be gentle and kind and loving to myself because it just hurts. It's no longer an equation to be solved. It's no longer an opportunity for you to prove your worthiness, right? You're already worthy. You're already worthy. It just hurts. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. If we haven't reiterated this enough, like this sucks, we're really sorry. (laughs) And... And give yourself some time. Give yourself some time. You're not a fool, like Sam said. You weren't tricked into this relationship. Like, you're not the most uniquely fucked up, unwantable person in the world. You're desirable. You're worthy. You are smart. You're intuitive. And your love is valid and real. And the love you felt was valid and real. And you're going to find a safer place to put that love. Not even safer. Like, what is safe? You're going to find a more sustainable, wholesome, uplifting place to put your love in the future. Absolutely. Thank you so much for writing, my darling. We love you. We love you. Our final letter comes to us from Sleepy Spice, whose pronouns are she, her, who is writing to us from Germany. Dear Sam and Sierra, we are nearly two years into the pandemic and y'all, I am burnt out. I've been single for a long time and typically I would go through phases of dating, getting tired of it or hurt, deleting Tinder for a month or three, and then jumping back in when I felt ready. But throughout most of the pandemic, I have been on an extended hiatus from dating, sometimes because lockdown logistics, but more recently because I'm tired, not tired of dating per se, just generally so, so tired. I used to have boundless energy for socializing and meeting new people, and I would always leave social situations feeling so energized. But living under this pandemic has changed that for me. Sometimes I leave hangouts feeling buoyed like old times. But more often, even when I enjoy myself, I find I need the next night to just chill out alone. These days, I feel like I only have enough energy for two to three social events a week maximum, whereas In my pre-pandemic life, I could do stuff every night and see multiple people on the weekend and never lose steam. I'm not sure of all the reasons for this, but one big factor is the brain fog that's been lingering with me since the earliest days of the pandemic. I'm just a little bit slower thinking, a little bit less funny, a little bit less charming than my old self. And as a result, I rarely leave social situations, platonic or romantic, with the sense of satisfaction I used to get, and I find them overall more taxing. Where I used to pride myself on being an an excellent conversationalist, now I feel like I often struggle to think of conversation topics and just default to talking about the pandemic. I'm also really forgetful now. I remember being on a date a few months ago where the person asked me about my hobbies and interests. Even though I have many, I felt like I could not remember a single thing I do or like and even any show I recently watched. As for relationships, well, I only have half as much energy to socialize as I used to. I've been finding it really hard to work up excitement and motivation around dating. It feels like such a gamble to spend one of my 
two to three social nights sitting across from some random stranger on the off chance we move fast pandemic talk and hit it off when the alternative is to hang out with a friend who I know I'll have fun with. For months now, scrolling through the dating apps feels more like a chore than a source of exciting possibility. And even when I match with someone interesting, I feel like I'm often drained by the prospect of getting dressed up and having to be, quote, on for the evening. Even more so, the idea of navigating sex with a new person feels downright exhausting to me lately. Seeing a friend simply feels like a safer bet and is easier to work up the energy for. I would like to shake this funk off and find more energy for and excitement about dating again. I'm worried that this hiatus has gone on too long and that I'm developing either a fear of dating or a complacency with singledom. My long-term goal is to get married and have biological kids, and for the latter, I only have so much time. While I'm happy with the way my life looks today, I want a very different life for five years from now me, and going on dates is the only action in my control to help bring about that future, so I know it's something I should be doing. My questions are, one, what do you think about this predicament? Is it at all relatable? Two, what should I do? Is there a way to make myself see dating as exciting again or find more energy for it so it doesn't feel like I'm making a trade-off with seeing friends? Three, how does one bounce back from living under a crisis when that crisis is still ongoing and the end point isn't clear? I know we're all sort of muddling through that last one, but I'm still curious about what you have to say. Thank you so much for reading my letter and for all the work you put into the podcast. I love hearing everyone's letters each week and listening to your words of wisdom, arguments about secede and all. Jeez. <laughs> oh, oh, no. I hope you answer my letter or another like mine. But even if not, it helped me work through things just to type it out. All my love, Sleepy Spice. Oh, wow. Sleepy Spice. Thank you for writing for to us all the way from Germany. Um. I love the first question of this is like, is this relatable? And I'm like, yeah, hi. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) My new favorite game to play is like, is this pandemic fatigue or is this middle age? (laughs) Like, have I just like become too old to want to go out? When is middle age? I don't know. Okay. Okay. I thought you were being serious. I I thought you like knew something I didn't know, which is blatantly true to me every day. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Continue. Someone can tell us. Um, No, it's like, I think it's just such a a challenging time to be alive. And I think um, a lot of us, me included, are really in this place where it's like figuring out how to get back into a social environment is really weird. Not only because like for so long, it was so scary, right? Like right. for so long, we've been told to not do that. And because like, like you said, this idea of like, I feel like I run out of conversation topics. Like, yeah, because we haven't been doing anything for the last two years, three years. Yeah. How I don't even know how long it is at this point. Right? Like we're oh, in our third year. We're entering our third year. Right. Oh, great. I love that yeah. for us. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. And just thinking like, yeah, what are we talking about? Like, I'm not doing anything besides sitting at home and like watching TV or yeah. like, you know, reading things on the internet. Like, it's like, I don't know. What am I supposed to talk about? Um, so yeah, I love that first question. I just want to say like deeply, deeply relate, even totally as I'm not real. dating, just like, totally yeah, real. absolutely. That feeling of like, I have my memory is, is worse. I feel like kind of like a little bit stupider. Like, I feel like I just have like a hard time keeping up with conversations and like, yeah, I like, I totally get it. Yeah. Um, 
so relatable, so much so that there are like, you know, articles about pandemic fatigue. So, you know, it's something out there that somebody's studying somewhere. Um, and I like to pull out Sam's, of course, of course, we're feeling tired right now. This is our first global pandemic. You know, this is our first time having our access to our daily routines. You know, it might it's different now. But, I, you know, I remember you and I talking about the pandemic in April of 2020 and being like, what the fuck? Y'all remember like washing your fucking groceries, like, you know, and zooming your family that like lived down the street. Like this is all new and it's trauma. And so of course we're unpacking our, we're not going to unpack our trauma in real time. Of course, we're not going to be the same person two years later after a cosmic shift to our reality. Um, we are still in the adjustment stage. We're not even in the healing stage, dare I say, in terms of like the the mental load that we had to carry during the beginning of the pandemic. We are still in survival mode. Um, maybe maybe in the next couple of years, years we'll start unpacking that, <laughs> hopefully, or like this summer, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah, um, but like we're still in, we're, we may not be in crisis mode, but we're still in processing mode. And I think about like, the hardest lessons that I've learned in my life or like the, the, the most challenging experiences, I really didn't fully process them and process them in, until like a couple years later. Right. And I didn't process how I was changed as a person till a couple years later. I started noticing things about myself that I didn't recognize. And then like a couple years later, I'd say like, oh, this is why I'm triggered by this. It's because my ex used to do that or whatnot. For sure. It, you know, before that, it would be like, why am I triggered by this? I noticed <laughs> I noticed that I'm triggered by somebody's anger. You know, I couldn't always draw the lines. Um, mm -hmm. General general commentary about the pandemic. Yes. Relatable. Still going on. Can't believe this is my reality. Um, cancel the wedding and a baby shower. <laughs> mm, yeah, you really um, got hit. Um, <laughs> like big upswings. You really, really yeah, planned yeah. poorly. Timed it well. <laughs> yeah. um, thank you, Cosmic Universe. Um, <laughs> but I want to talk about, um, so like that being the backdrop or the foundation of this conversation, um, I want to talk about like how it is to re-engage with dating. Like what does it look like to, you know, what does it look like to try to change your relationship with something that's like exhausting and terrifying and vulnerable, especially in a time of dating or time of dating, time of the pandemic? I think about your time, Sam, when you like would intentionally go on dates with people or whatnot. Like, how did you engage in dating, even if it felt like fruitless? Yeah, I think... um really leaning into my excitement about new people or like my curiosity and interest in new people was helpful. Um, and it sounds like that's like something that you're, you're still struggling with. Um, and, uh, you know, like just sort of making myself do it was, was really what I was, yeah, and was that's trying to do like tapped out for sure. But I want to say too, like, I appreciate that you have this, like, this goal and that you're working towards it and you want something different for five years down the line, you, and right. We also can accept the fact that the circumstances aren't conducive to doing that, right? Like it doesn't mean that we're necessarily failing, but it does help us to sort of take stock of the fact that like, yeah, I know that this is a thing that I want and I just don't have the capacity to work towards it right mm -hmm. now. Or I in, 
when I made this goal for myself, I didn't realize there was going to be a global pandemic that would Mm -hmm. disrupt my life for two plus years, right? Like, so how are we also being really, how are we sort of sitting in that in-between place of being like being future oriented and having goals that we might be working towards and accepting our present circumstances um, and, and giving ourselves grace and credit for the fact that sometimes we're in a place where like, that goal isn't just available to us in this moment. And not because we're not trying or because like we're doing something wrong, but just because like we don't have the capacity. Um, it's not a moral failure. It's not a personal failure. Yeah. It's a, it's a circumstantial failure, right? It's yeah. It's. And so often I think we, we often like try to pretend like those things don't matter. Like we should be able to muscle through this thing. Like it's it, this context isn't important. It's about, we can, what we can do and how hard we can work, but the pandemic doesn't go away, right? The fatigue doesn't go away. The two years of trauma that we've experienced so far doesn't go away just because we have something that we want to be working towards. Right. So it sucks for sure. Like, I wish I could say like, I wish I could go back in time and just like pluck the pandemic out of the timeline because that would be really nice. That sounds like a Marvel movie that Spencer and I are watching right now. Awesome. Yeah. I could watch. I'm Thanos and I finally got the final stone. Haven't watched that one yet. Thanks. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. (laughs) I have not seen that either. This is all based on memes on the internet. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You know what you're saying? What it reminds me of is that like, I think this is a perfect opportunity for like a mutated typical just breakup. Yes. And so my yes. And is going to be, The pandemic is traumatizing, life-altering, exhausting, still present, and it's here. It's all of this is so real and relatable. Yes, and let's dethrone it a little, just in our processing system, just in our processing of it, and say, my life has always gone through seasons. My life has always gone through seasons of growth and change and introversion and extroversion. And I know that that like, please don't misconstrue me as saying like, this is just like a cool season that we can just like, you know, chill, <laughs> like uh, very important. And, you know, the pandemic is life altering. So I'm not trying to bring light to it. I'm just trying to shift the way I process it. Like I've gone through another season in my life in which I felt depleted and tired and less interesting and less capable and more broken and less interested in other people. And, and, and something about that season made me pull back. Something about that season made me feel like I wasn't strong enough yet to like put myself into these life-changing situations or make myself uncomfortable. And in that season, I had to adapt. In that season, I had to change my relationship to my habits and myself and my gentleness. Um, So is there a way for us to yes and the pandemic? Yes, it's here. It's huge. It's life-altering and exhausting. And all of that is so real. And this is also a season. This is a season of my life. And I know it's not going to last forever. And I know that I I then can approach myself differently. I then can approach my expectations of myself, my goals. I can challenge myself a little bit differently. Like, um, yeah, that's, that's it's just, it is a season in our life, whether that's terrible poetry or not, <laughs> you know? Um, 
And I want to say too, it's, it's similar to that yes and structure. Like it is totally normal to adapt. We have adapted and the way we have adapted is showing up in all the ways that you wrote about. You're, you have fatigue, you're tired, you feel like, fuck man, my social life <laughs> does not look, I cannot sustain what I used to do, right? We have learned what it feels like to stay home. We have learned what it feels like to be more isolated. Some of us thrive under that isolation. Some of us feel so depleted and under-energized because we are externally motivated. Like we adapted and it's normal for us to adapt. We survived. We are resilient. This is a part of this exhaustion. What if we saw your exhaustion and your fatigue as a part of your resiliency? And we can yes and that too, to be like, this is you being resilient. And also it fucking sucks that we have to still be fucking resilient, you know, <laughs> welcoming it all in. And also it's, it, it is still important to challenge ourselves when we know we want something just outside the realm of our comfortable or our comfortability, you know, like just outside of the realm of our comfort. Um, meaning, yeah, it is easier to socialize with your friends. It is awkward to meet strangers. That was true before the pandemic. And now you just might need 10%, 30%, 50% more internal motivation or direct, you know, like, Maybe you just have to be like that much more gentle and encouraging to yourself. Like, man, I know this is taking more effort, but I've done it before and I can do it again, you know, or, or like Sam said, take a break. Maybe now is not the time to prioritize dating. And instead it's the opportunity for you to say, using this language in this season of my life, I'm prioritizing my friendships and my comfort at home. And this season of my life, I'm prioritizing my mental health and I'm intentionally not prioritizing dating. Like, I think you can claim any of those that feel good to you, that feel authentic to you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And thinking about sort of how does one bounce back from living under a crisis when it's still ongoing and the end point isn't clear. I don't know. Let me, let me know if you figure that out. Cause like, <laughs> and I think that there's something um, helpful in realizing that like, no one's got it figured out because yeah. no one's done this before. So again, you're not uniquely fucked up for not knowing right. how to navigate this new world. And we can offer others a lot of grace around it too, right? Like to say like, yeah, you're feeling like you're not a great conversationalist. Probably lots of people are feeling like they're not great conversationalists, right? The conversation may be lackluster oh because so we've all smart. been sitting in our houses, watching mm -hmm. our TVs for the past few years. Right. So like, again, sort of giving ourselves the, the, the grace to say I've changed because of this thing that I've been through. And I know that everyone else around me has been through something that's yes. not the same because our experiences of the pandemic are all different, but through something too, right. Through something similar. So yeah, for dates are probably going to be a little less exciting because we didn't just go to to Ibiza, right? Or like we didn't just go to an amazing restaurant or we didn't just have this amazing conversation with our friends because like we're still so isolated. We're still like yeah. not doing very many things. Um so it's about sort of like not necessarily lowering your lowering your expectations, but coming into this type of stuff with more grace for yourself. And for everyone else and recognizing that like, it's not just you that's bad at conversation right now. 
it's a lot of people. It's not just you that's feeling like, I don't know what to talk about besides the fucking pandemic again. It's a lot of people, right? And and so how do you how do you say like how do we sort of hold hands with each other and say like, yep, okay, we're gonna have to learn how to do these things again, everyone. So like let's all just be a little kind to each other and kind to ourselves so that we're not feeling like I'm necessarily doing something wrong because I've just been through two years of trauma and have nothing else to talk about. Right, right. And those bad dates, those like flubs of your memory, they existed before the pandemic. You know, for sure. The fatigue is real and probably a direct result of everything you just said. And also to to dethrone it, to be like, this was hard before, too. I know it was. I had shitty dates before, you know, don't trick yourself into thinking that it was easy before, too. It might it it felt easier and now it is harder. But this this season, you're going to approach it with the same, if not more compassion for yourself of like, it's okay that I forgot what I like to do. I've done that before. I've done that before. I've done that before too. Before the <laughs> pandemic. I'm like, wait, what do you like a, to do? do I'm like, cook. <laughs> I think I like Emma, cooking. <laughs> I like to walk around my neighborhood. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess if you take anything from this, totally normal. We're feeling tired too. And we see you in your tiredness. Your tiredness, your tiredness is okay. It's welcomed. It's part of this season. And we're all growing and learning to the best of our ability right now. For sure. We love you. Thank you so much for writing. This brings us to the blind date segment of our show. Every episode, we like to shout out something that we love that we want to set you up with. And this week, we are sending you home with... Atlas of the Heart by Brene Brown. Um, So this is her new book that has recently come out. um, And in it, uh, basically, she walks through different kinds of emotions that people have um, to give some clarity around the words that we can use to help describe what's coming up for us. Okay. Um, And there's a lot of stuff in there that is really familiar about some of the things that we've learned in other books that she's written Um, but I found it really helpful as somebody who really struggles to name emotions as they're coming up for me. Um, as somebody who spends a lot of time in my head and not a lot of time feeling or in my body, um, to be able to like have different words to describe what's happening so that I'm not just like, I'm happy, I'm sad, I'm mad, but be able to like get into some of the, the shades of gray around it. Um, it's been like, it's, I've used it already and I read, I finished it like last weekend, Mm. um, to be able to describe to folks like what's coming up for me. Um, and that's been really great. So, uh, would recommend it. It is called Atlas of the heart. It's also on this bookshelf right here, which is why I keep looking over there. Atlas of the heart, uh, by Brene Brown. Awesome. Sounds delicious. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Break Up Pod. You can slide into our DM, send us your favorite relationship memes. So, but most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com, which is also where you can find your merchandise. Uh, please remember to follow, subscribe, leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you get your podcasts and consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you'll get an additional bonus weekly episode. That's Patreon.com slash just break up pod. This literally keeps the mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Just break up is a product of David Media or a production of David Media. 
original music recording, producing all magical things by our good friend Spencer Worth Davis, a.k.a. Big Cats. Make sure to check out his music and his latest podcast, Finding Quantum Quest, wherever you listen. And remember, this season of your life, whether it is easy or hard or new or challenging, is bringing up a lot of new emotions and a lot of new coping skills. And that's all okay. Our feelings are teachers, remember. But they aren't always meant to be learned from fully. So the only way we can assess whether or not our feelings are good teachers right now is to invite them in, give ourselves some compassion, give ourselves some gentleness, recognize that whatever we're going through is new, whether it's hard or not. And then we can decide what we want to do with those feelings, whether we want to voice them, whether we want to live by them, whether we want to just acknowledge them, give them a seat at the table. We're all adapting. We're all going through this for the first time. This too is just a season. And if all else fails, just break up. <laughs>